Welcome to the Easy Street Podcast. Two fellas that grew up together. Now we're talking about sports in our mid twenties. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, Will Trahan. This is Rob Simmons. How are y'all? We are Easy Street. So Rob, yes, this sir. is our maiden voyage, the SS Easy Street. So let's just introduce ourselves. Let the people know who they're talking to. Yeah, I'll go first. Go ahead. I'm the oldest. Anyway, so yeah. Yeah. So six years finance. So. Wonderful correlation to what we got going on here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Air Force, loved it. You know, married, got a few kids. Uh, and here we are. Yeah. Same old. Yep. I am a school teacher, teach sixth grade social studies, and I graduated from Louisiana Tech. Me and Rob actually live in uh, North Louisiana, so uh, most of our views will not match where we live. But. <laughs> Um, both of us were displaced. He's a Broncos fan. I'm a Giants fan. We're both Braves fans, and I like the Celtics. So my teams are all over the place. Um, we're both in our mid-20s. We grew up in a town of less than 4,000 people. On a good day. On a good day, for sure. <laughs> uh, we graduated with uh, – we actually graduated separate high schools because old Rob here was a traitor. But uh, we graduated with a class of 42 and how, how big was yours? 23. Yeah. yeah. A whole 23. Yeah. So, uh, so my wife, on the other hand, graduated with about 600 people. We didn't have 600 people in the entire school, K through 12. So we're a couple small town boys trying to make it in this uh, in this bigger city. But uh, we're definitely excited to get this podcast going. Um, me and Rob live three miles from each other, so you'll be seeing yeah. a lot of us. Uh we are going to go into our favorite teams. As you, as I said, I'm New York Giants, Atlanta Braves, Boston Celtics, and we've got a whole slew of other teams I pull for. But those are my main loves. What about you, Rob? You know, if it ain't about the A, it ain't the right way. That's so right. Atlanta Braves all the way. You know, we didn't get it done this year, but <laughs> it's coming, you know. I'm still, my ass is still chapped. <laughs> that young talent, though, goes a long way. And then, uh, of course, my, my lovely 2-6 and six Broncos, you know, got to keep it going. You know, we'll find a quarterback one day. Yeah, man, uh, it's it's rough seeing y'all uh, put in the third stringers. <laughs> yeah, we might be better off bringing John Elway back. You know, right, Set, dude, setting him back in. Dude cannot find a quarterback. I got I got a lot of thoughts on old Elway. <laughs> we'll talk about that as the season goes on. Yeah, definitely. And then my my two and ten Golden State Warriors played your Celtics though last night and lost. Yep, it's okay. you know. Hey, the Warriors had their fun. Now it's time for somebody else to be in charge. I mean, if you think about it, though, four years of uh, you know title runs, dominance. Yeah, Pure dominance. dominance, man. But it takes a toll on you, and we're feeling it now. Four years into it, you know. Yeah, I think young bodies break down. Dray- Draymond's the only starter left, but you know, Steph broke his hand, Clay broke his knee, KD broke his soul, and <laughs> Draymond's just hanging out. Oh, KD, no, no names. Yeah, I call him Laffy Taffy. It's okay, yeah. man. The Nets are going to lose forever. Signing those two. Kyrie. Oh, don't get me started. I had a rant about Kyrie. A mile long. Dude's a loser. Couldn't agree with you more. He's a loser. KD, that dude, he just fell off. I thought he was up here when he won the MVP. And then just, I hate him now. I just hate his personality. You know, I, I was not the bitter fan when he switched over from OKC to Golden State. But uh, I now see why. Russ just spilt this flame inside of him to hate KD, you know? Yeah, and Russell Will I mean, Russell Wilson. Russell Westbrook seems like a hard person to like. Yeah. But at least he stuck around and tried to win, even though it didn't work. KD, I just feel like he's a clout chaser. I mean, if that's possible for the second best player in the league. But, <laughs> you know. Yeah, for somebody who's, whose uh, name is known just about everywhere worldwide, you know, he definitely is. Steadily chasing something. Yeah, he just, I don't know. He's one of those people that will never be happy. All right, so let's talk into some uh, happier things. <laughs> yeah. What's next on the docket, Rob? So this whole Steelers-Browns debacle, you know, the number one rule in football, at least what we were taught in high school, was uh, a, a brawl breaks out, you leave your helmet on. Yeah, so Mason Rudolph, what were you thinking? That was not smart. It was not smart at all, man. Like, and granted, it was pretty much Miles Garrett's decision as to if he kept his helmet or not. But I would, uh, I would pick somebody other than Miles Garrett to start trying to fight if I were <laughs> somebody who a 
was getting his ass whooped the whole game, and B, has already been knocked out to the point where he had to get carted off. His four interceptions wasn't a big enough black eye for, for yeah. Mason Rudolph. He, uh, he Leroy Jenkins <laughs> into Miles Garrett, and man, he paid the price. Hey, you got to admire the balls on that guy, though. Like, he went in there fully, he had to fully be expecting to get his ass whooped. Oh. And that's exactly how it is. But hey, with friends like Marquise Pouncey, I can see why he had some confidence because Marquise Pouncey came in there like it was not a football game. He came in there throwing oh, them yeah. uh, two pieces and a biscuit. It was it tried was, to curb stomp him at the end too. Yeah, it was. I kind of wish he'd have connected too. <laughs> but you know the yeah. Browns, man. Even when they win, they, they lose. They, they yeah. cannot get out of their own way. And I think that we can both agree that it's Freddie Kitchens' fault, man. That's just. I, it's reminiscent of Ben McAdoo taking over the Giants. It's just a train wreck. It is, and it's steadily going downhill. You know, it starts at the top. It know. really does. And he, he's a good offensive coordinator, which is why he got the job. But that offense is dysfunctional. When you bring in the most electric wide receiver yeah. to pair up with his best friend from college and another pretty electric wide receiver, you got Nick Chubb, which is one of the best young running backs in the NFL. Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt, back, yep. which is back at the – well, by the time he came back, it was a little late to help anything. But then you got one a first-round tight end, first-round picks on that offensive line all up and down. I mean, Baker Mayfield was supposed to be the truth. I mean, your brother – no. Your brother wanted him so bad in fantasy football this year, he was willing to do anything. And I mean anything. Anything. <laughs> <laughs> anything. And so it's just been I, – I have to – I sympathize with Baker because I was an Oklahoma Sooners fan, so I rooted for him. But, God, it's it's gone off the rails quickly. Yeah, Oklahoma, old second choice you. But uh, <laughs> since we're on the topic of Baker, I think that's the one silver lining that comes out of this whole situation is uh, Baker Mayfield. And uh, the growth and leadership he showed right there at the end in the interview, you know? Yeah. Uh, that he, was something he's been lacking, especially in the media. Yeah. I mean, the point that you brought up, you know, they can't get out of their own way. Man, he was right on right on the money with that, you know? They yeah. keep shooting themselves in the foot. They do. And I think it, and then it's a good sign because at least they know what the problem is. And whenever Freddie Kitchens eventually gets fired, the, the next head coach will come in and be able to uh, hopefully instill – some discipline with some of those young guys because that team is very young. I mean, they've got some veterans that lead the way, but think about it. Odell's, what, 26? Jarvis is the same age. Baker's 22. Chubb is young. Um, Njoku's young. The Three oldest, months, not that old either. Yeah, all, yeah, the oldest guy they have on their team is probably like the, the pass rusher, Olivier Vernon, and he's not that old either. He came over from the Giants. So they, they got a lot of growing up to do. And but that team is one of those teams that are set up the right way. I mean, it took them what ten years of drafting the top five to get get some talent on that team. Yeah, and if you think back, you know, if you don't burn all those first round picks on a quarterback, you know. Yeah, I mean, what the, what are you set up with? The so. Johnny Manziel draft, where it was Justin Gilbert at eight and Johnny Manziel at the tail end. Both of those guys were out of football within by the end of their first contracts. That's I mean, it. Yeah. Cool. Three years in, if yeah. you include all the suspensions and uh, injuries, definitely. Yeah. They took the 76ers approach, and <laughs> I think they just kind of got lucky with Baker. I mean, that took some nuts to pick him over Sam Darnold. But from what you know, early returns, it looks like Baker was the right choice. Now, that entire draft class, if you think about it, it was uh, kind of hit and miss, right? Yeah, I mean, Baker, Baker's been up and down. I mean, the only one that's really proven to be a star was the 32nd pick of the first round, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. You know, Josh Rosen's already on the second team. Josh uh, Allen Who is, just He just got beat back out. You yeah. know, Ryan Fitzpatrick's back, so Fitz they... Magic. You know, he can't even start on a team that's trying to lose. You know, I mean, God. But, uh, but, you know, Josh Allen keeps getting hurt, and he's a better athlete than he is passer at this point. Um, Josh, Sam Darnold has... The worst, one of the worst offensive lines in football, uh, to pair up with some an aging Demarius Thomas. Yeah, Demarius Thomas, <laughs> Robbie Anderson, who's a one-trick pony. That's it. He's Mike Wallace Jr. Um, and Jamison Crowder, who's a good slot receiver, but it's hard to you know focus on a slot receiver when you have no time for that receiver to get open. And Le'Veon Bell, whew, I'm glad I stayed away from him in fantasy drafts because he is killing. Those folks who 
took him in the first round. Oh, the the one thing they have going for him PPR league, you know, he he gets his touches. That's for sure. Yeah, but but there's no production. It's rough. Yeah, yeah, I can't decide which one's a bigger disappointment, him or David Johnson. But both of them came with some risk, and this is something else we'll talk about. We we are actually in a league together that we've been playing in for like five or six years now. Yeah, six years. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very competitive league. Um, I'm a fantasy nut. He's a fantasy nut. So we'll talk about fantasy football. And for the most part, unless they're on our favorite team, we look at them through the eyes of how many points they score on Sundays. So, um, and and as you can tell by how many people play fantasy football, that's probably the main reason why the NFL is so popular now is because that just changed the game. It, it really did. It absolutely did. And if you think about it, they had to implement uh, releasing injury reports a lot earlier for the specific reason. Exactly. I mean, I you mean, see... It's a money-making business, right? Right. I mean, look at it. I mean, I had Matthew Stafford as my starting quarterback. I have a 14-team league, which is very competitive. And luckily... I had Drew Brees on that team too, or else you know Matt Stafford would be—he's out again against the Cowboys. He is, which we'll touch on that later. Uh, yeah. Here later on, you know, Detroit's one of those games that we have on the radar for today. So, Oof. love me some lines, <laughs> Matty P. That's it. Patricia's done a hell of a job down there, if you ask me. Yeah, for what he's got, man. I mean, that, I feel like that that GM Bob Quinn just keeps cutting his legs out from under him. You know, I mean. Either it's injury or he trades away defensive starters like Quandre Diggs. I mean, it's, it's wild. The, the trading away of players is definitely, but he's not had the Adam Gase look. Yeah. Adam Gase, man, my heart's out to you. You haven't played with the starting quarterback but one, two games, you know. Uh, granted, your record now is one and one. I think you've, I think Sam Darnold started for you twice and you're one and one with him. So, uh, you know, better luck next time, hey, next career. They beat my Giants. God, they beat my Giants in the toilet bowl. That was terrible. Um, I gotta say, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Giants. I don't feel like being depressed on Saturday. Yeah. So let's just let's just skip to LSU football. We'll we'll circle back to the NFL because being a Louisiana person, even if you don't like LSU, they're in your face twenty four seven. And we don't even live in South Louisiana where they're based, but it's everywhere. They're crazy. The LSU fans here. Honest to God, and maybe because we're from here, I believe they're the most insane, delusional fans in the entire world. Yeah, any group of people that you get together and you start drinking at seven o'clock when you wake up, and it's all in preparation for game day. Yeah, I would, I would say that ties into twelve straight hours of drinking is too much for some people. But uh, it just so happens that most of those LSU fans overlap with some Cowboys fans where we live, so yeah. delusion is built into their DNA. That's fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so LSU takes on Ole Miss today. They come on, they're coming off a huge, huge win over Alabama. Biggest the game f- is. first time in eight years they've beaten Alabama. And the last time they beat them, that was the most boring game on earth. I'm a defensive guy. I loved it. Oh, Nine to six win? I can't get any better than that in a defensive game. But just to put it into perspective, we were still in high school the last time yeah. the last time that LSU beat Alabama, and I graduated college in 2016. So it's been a while. LSU fans pretty much could probably lose to Ole Miss and still be okay with the fact that they beat Alabama. It's just Nick Saban coached at LSU, traitor, went to the NFL, sucked it up, sucked. got hired by Alabama, got beat by ULM. And then, you know, started the second best dynasty we've ever seen in sports. It's there. The man can recruit, that's for sure. That's one thing he had going for him. He could recruit. He did it at LSU, and he's doing it now in Alabama. So, kudos to him for that. But but I don't think any sports fans need us to tell you how good Nick Saban is. That's that's fair. So, what I really want to talk about is this offensive genius that the LSU Tigers took from the New Orleans Saints, old Joe Brady. Because I was talking with uh, some folks that I know that are very, they're, I mean, their moods are dependent on how good LSU does. And if Joe Brady leaves to go, you know, take an offensive coordinator position at some other school, or I don't know why this would happen, but a head coaching job, yeah. a lot of people would be upset because he's a homegrown coaching talent from the New Orleans Saints that went over to LSU, and he's got old. Uh, <laughs> 
old Heisman boy playing quarterback, old Mr. Burrow. Yeah, Joe Burrow. Uh, he's a, he's, probably, he's the Heisman favorite. After that Alabama win where he was damn near perfect, I mean, it's going to take a six miracle. It's going to take a miracle for anybody to beat him as Heisman. I mean, you see Chase Young got suspended. And for take that's a separate issue. Oh. He got suspended. Jalen Hurts lost to Kansas State, almost lost to Iowa State. And Tua got, I mean, he just fumbled the ball when nobody touched him last week. So it's been a lot of who's going to win, who's going to go first in the draft, who's going to do this, who's going to do that. But Burroughs answered every question. Hands down. Every question. That man has stepped up to the plate. But, uh, you know, I got to give kudos to Ed Ogeron, too, you know? You know, it, it took a lot of guts to move from their pro-style offense, you know, run yeah. the ball every time. That's a, you know. That's, that's tried a, and true. Tried that's and Alabama true. still wins. Yeah, right. and, you know, that was the LSU way. But, you know, it took a leap of faith, and that leap of faith with Joe Burrow, and let that man go. That man's got a cannon. Yeah, he, he's going to I think he's going to go number one overall. I really hope Cincinnati doesn't get the first pick because he's going to go there and he's going to just waste away for four years until he can go to another team. But – uh, I don't know, man. It's I think Tua fits with Miami better, but Joe Burrow I think is going to have the better pro career. And oh, absolutely! You just see like there is a it's you can't really put your finger on it, but the quality of being able to will your team to win, and you saw it in the national championship. You saw it against LSU. Tua's got a lot of health questions. I mean, it's hard to will yourself or will your team to win when you're on the sidelines or in the medical tent. I feel like it's a good comparison to say he's about like Deshaun Watson. Yeah, you know? yeah. The injury concerns were there when he was coming out of Clemson uh, with his head injuries. Right, and, uh, and his knee. Yep, and his knee. And then you saw that his knee gave way while he was with Houston. So, I mean, Deshaun Watson, great talent. That's true. Great pocket passer. Has a little bit of mobility with his feet. I say little. Yeah. That's being, but he fell in the draft for yeah. those reasons that you just listed. I mean, um, Mitchell Trubisky was the number three pick. Oh, Patrick Mahomes was number 10, and Deshaun went all the way down to 17. I mean, the Texans got really lucky there, yeah. but they also took a huge gamble, especially playing him behind the offensive line that uh, I think suspect at best would be nicely putting it. Oh, yeah. But I think Joe Burrow, um, I'm, and to go back to our original point, we're talking about Ole Miss here. As you can tell, we like to uh, – we got a couple of ADD thinkers here. We just <laughs> – build on what we're saying. But uh, I, I think that LSU, this is a trap game, honestly. I really think that coming off that Alabama win, LSU's going to overlook. Because they had that murderer's row where they played Florida, Auburn, Alabama, back yep. to back to back with a bye week thrown in there. I think in their minds, if they could get past Alabama, which they did, then they were home free. And that is the perfect recipe for a trap game. Especially, it's going to be cold. Oh, playing yeah. at Ole Miss, you know, coming off that Alabama high. This is This is... A great setup for an upset. I don't see it happening. I, I feel like all right, we're too talented. LSU's too talented on that end. Uh, but Ole Miss will keep it close, especially the first half. You know, being at home, uh, I think Ogeron will get him woke up though. Yeah, Coach He'll O does a up. good job of keeping his guys focused on the next game. That was yeah. something that Les Miles kind of let get away from him. Is Les Miles would he was more of you know. Think about the big picture. Uh, let's run the ball 75 times a game. Let's uh, throw the ball twice with two separate quarterbacks. Yeah. You know, Les Miles was a, and I was talking about this the other day. He was a hell of a recruiter, which is why LSU stayed as relevant as they were. But the dude was too stubborn to let somebody else run his offense. That's it. That's the difference between Coach O and Les Miles, and that's why Les Miles is now ca- coaching the Kansas Jayhawks, <laughs> and that's why Coach O is now coaching the number one team in the country. And I think. His he was built to be the LSU coach. Oh, like, absolutely! If you were to make a coach in a lab that would fit Louisiana's culture any better, that you couldn't get better than Coach O. Like, you know, and those are words from his mouth too. He he said he was born to do this job, and I yeah. couldn't agree more. I you mean, know? he's a South Louisiana boy. I mean, anybody else in the country that tries to listen to him probably thinks he's a blithering idiot. Oh, my wife, she's from Tennessee, <laughs> and uh. You know, she she's always trying to make fun of the way he talks. Hey, so. it, it works, man. I, it, it gives him a lovable charm, but he's also a former O line coach. I mean, he's coached all around the country. You got to think he was at USC, Ole Miss. Like he's got some coaching chops. He's yeah. not just some guy who just came off the street. He he knows how to keep his guys motivated. 
And more importantly, and it's a problem with some of these very talented football minds, is that he knows how to get his guys to want to run through a wall for him. And that's, that's it. that is something that I have seen over my years. I've worked a little bit with sports as, at, in college with Louisiana Tech. You see that some coaches can inspire and some coaches cannot. And it's just they have it or they don't. It's not something you can teach. Yep. Uh, another coach that I think may be the second or third best coach in the country is P.J. Fleck from Minnesota. He's got those Golden Gophers relevant for the first time in my lifetime. I don't remember ever yeah. talking about the Golden Gophers. Nope. Like, ever. Hop on that canoe, though. Yeah, hop <laughs> on it. You know, row it. But I, I really think that those coaches that get you to run through a wall, uh, Lincoln Riley's one, he's a great offensive mind, but the question is, can he motivate his people to run through a wall? And so far, I mean, he's got great success as far as record numbers. Yeah. He's got back-to-back Heismans. He had a third. I mean, he attracts these awesome, talented players, but can he get them to where they need to be? And he hasn't been able to do it yet, but, you know, he's still a young coach, and I think that coaches like him, Saban's obviously proven that he can do it. So is Dabo Sweeney. Um, you know, Coach O, I think he's in that same realm, but then you got coaches like Todd Herman of Texas. Tom Herman was one of the best – Recruits and LSU almost hired him, and you know now he's in Texas and he's kind of a douchebag. He he definitely is, and that's not what Texas thought that they were getting when they hired Tom. Right. I mean, you go from Mac Wilson to and you had Charlie Strong and all these kind of really quiet, really reserved coaches. Then you go to Tom Herman, who's one of the biggest talkers I think in the country. Honestly, him or Lane Kiffin, I can't decide who's worse. <laughs> But uh, it's it's definitely interesting to see how the college football landscape has shifted, you know. Because when we were growing up, it was Texas and then USC and all these West Ohio Coast State. flashy. Yeah. yeah, Ohio State has been there, and then Alabama came in and just kind of was like, you know what, the Deep South is really where you play football. That's it. You know, everybody always wanted to go to the big city, Los Angeles. You know, that had four teams in it, the West Coast where the weather was always nice, but then. The SEC kind of took it back, and it's that different mentality type of football. It is, you know, uh, you know, where you hit somebody in the mouth, and, and then, then you get up and hit them. And you again. get up and you hit them again, right. and you don't stop. And I think, I think that's when we just the South took over on football. SEC oh, really took over. You know, uh, decided it's time that we use these big old boys yeah. and we put in the work. So and we just grow differently down here. Like, <laughs> we just do. You know, it's it's hot during the summers. There really ain't much to do during the winters. Like you just you play football, or you it kind of don't matter, you know. And I, I hate to say <laughs> it like that, but That's it. at That's least how we grew up, if you didn't play football, nobody really cared about you. It's harsh but true, you know. And we had we had the very very distinct privilege of playing under one of the best coaches I've ever seen as far as getting players to run through a wall. Because I mean, I know it looked like it now. I weighed 175 pounds in high school and played guard. <laughs> And that dude, he could get me to, to, to do anything. I'm telling you. Rob Rob can attest to it. Coach Coach Rayleigh was Coach Rayleigh, he was he was the man. He, <laughs> he was, was if there was one person that you bought into, it was him. It was him. It he was, could say anything and you would take it as gospel. That was it. We were never the biggest people on the field. Never. As as big as we breed them down here, we were never the biggest team. Never. But at the end of the day, we were gonna be the ones that hit you in the mouth first and we were gonna be the ones that hit you in the mouth last. So. Yeah, we definitely weren't gonna quit first. So all right, let's bring it full circle. Let's let's head back to the pros where, I mean, pretty much everybody can agree that this season's been weird. It's just been an off season. It's not been what anybody has expected out of the NFL this season, whether it be the, the teams that went from good to mediocre, the teams that went from good to great, or the teams that just went from dumpster fire to even bigger dumpster <laughs> fire. Yeah, I mean it's there. It's it's definitely any given Sunday esque. That's for sure. Right. Um. But but you gotta love it, right? It is. It makes for it. a very interesting conversation. I mean, even in fantasy circles, I mean, who the heck knows who's gonna do good? You know, it's kind of like a crapshoot now. I mean, if you were to tell me that um, Christian McCaffrey was going to be the number one fantasy scorer in the past five years since Michael Vick when he joined the Eagles. I'd have told you bullcrap because that O-line was terrible. Terrible. You know? And if you were to tell me he did it when Cam Newton was hurt for the year, I'd have said bullcrap. You know, you're full of it. But 
this guy, he is the undisputed MVP of the NFL. 100%. I believe that, you know, it'll go to a quarterback. But if you see what he's been doing, like, this guy is a machine. He totes the rock, touches the ball 30, 40 times a game. Yeah. And just doesn't stop. And, you know, when he got drafted, people thought he was just going to be a change of pace back. Yeah, said he was too small, was 100% going to be just a third down back. Yeah, you know? he, why did they draft him that high? But, man, he is he has shut all the doubters up. And with a year where, unexplainably, Todd Gurley gets no carries and then Saquon's been hurt and Zeke has been struggling. like he's... That offensive line of Dallas has been hurt, though, as well. So, you, yeah. you can tell. I think Zeke's... Zeke's talent comes from his offensive line. When you when you pay that much money so for an too. offensive Absolutely. line, you know he, he's a great talent all in himself. But you put him behind any other offensive line, and he's, right. he's not the. You could switch out. You could switch out Zeke with like those second tier backs like Dalvin Cook and. Uh, you can't say Leonard Dalvin Cook's a, a second tier back this year. I guess you're right, but but you put him behind. You put those second tier backs behind that offensive line. I think because you see it with Tony Pollard. When Tony Pollard comes in, or Pollard, uh, he comes in, and he, uh, you know, at the beginning of the year when they were still healthy, when he ran behind them, especially with the Giants, his production was there. Yeah, he was very good. I mean, and you saw it in years past with the likes of Rod, uh, Darren McFadden, Darren McFadden, Rod Smith, Rod Smith, uh, Alfred Morris. Like those guys get meaningful, good carries, and you know they may not be as electric as Zeke, but. They're no slouches, you know, but they're, they're also no – I mean, they also all played for teams before that. They got cut from, you know, so it's not – I think you're right. I think the Cowboys' success and failures start with that O-line. That offensive line, absolutely. And they're getting old. They are. Like you, they are. You think about it, Zach Martin is still awesome. But then you got Travis Federick that he didn't know if he was going to play football again. Lyle Collins. Lyle Collins. Yeah. He's, he's still young, but – He's kind of disappointing for what people thought he was going to be. You know, he's not – they thought that Dallas got super lucky because with all that mess that went on with him during the draft, he fell. He fell. Went undrafted. He and he was going to be a first-round pick. And then the, the Cowboys scooped him up. They thought he was going to be – oh, it's going to be four superstar studs. And he's been serviceable. I mean, he's, when he's nothing, Yeah, there's nothing wrong with him. But he's not living up to the caliber that he – when he came out of LSU. And then Tyron Smith – to be 320 pounds with a six-pack, it's not natural. It's not. It's not natural. It's not. But the guy, he, he's, he's got a bad back. And being a lineman that big with a bad back, you can see that it, it, up in his later years, it's, it's definitely affected him. It definitely is. And they've reinvested money back into that offensive line this year, which I agree they should have. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they kind of went elsewhere with their money, didn't they? Put it yeah. into Zeke, whose production is dependent upon that line, and then also went to linebacker stance, giving Smith a, a yeah. max contract. Well, I gotta much. say, I think that that Cowboys team has about as much talent as any roster in the NFL. If you look at the linebackers, I mean, Sean Lee is not what he once was, but you got Leighton Vander Esch, which is he's a really good linebacker. Jalen Smith has bounced back from that torn up knee really well. Mm-hmm. Their defensive line, Demarcus Lawrence, Taco or not Taco Charlton because he was a bust. he was released. But <clears throat> Robert Quinn has found new life there. Demarcus Lawrence is just a monster. And then on the outside, you got Byron Jones, who's a lockdown corner, uh, Awuzie, which is good, and Xavier Woods out of Louisiana Tech, which I think is one of the best young safeties in the NFL. I mean, you got a you got a good young core there. I think it's coaching. I oh, mean, they, Jason Garrett, yeah, he gotta go. I mean, for me, as a Giants fan, keep him there for the next 10 years. Because <laughs> they're going to do the same thing every year. They're going to go around 8-8. Eight and eight. They, may, they may have a 12-4 and four year here or 4-12 and 12 year here, but he's like a career 8-8 eight and eight coach. He's as vanilla as, he get, as it gets as a head coach. And until they decide, you know, we got to get somebody in here. And they took steps in the right direction hiring Kellen Moore. That was smart. That was something right. I didn't yeah. think they were going to do. But – Grooming for the future, maybe. Right. But he, he also was playing backup quarterback there less than 10 years ago. You know, he was in college at Boise State. I still remember him on the <laughs> cover of one of the NCAA, NCAA games. Yeah. Like, he's not old. He's not, I mean, he's not no Sean McVay either. But, I mean, he's a good offensive mind, which is something they haven't had in 
a long time. I agree. It's kind of the NFC's version of the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. Uh, Win during the season, but can't get it done in the yeah, playoffs, you know? I mean, Marvin Lewis was there for, what, 15, 16 years and won zero playoff games. Like, zero. Crazy. It's crazy, but he coaches just 0 well 10 enough, in the playoffs. Just well enough to keep his job, but cannot get over that hump. And, you know, there are coaches like that, and they're fine to have. I mean, that means you'll never have a dumpster fire like my New York Giants. <laughs> but it also means that you'll never be a team like the Patriots or the Saints or the Chiefs with the all Seahawks these. Seahawks, even. Yeah, I mean, think about it. I mean, all these coaches who are innovative, open-minded, they either swing for the fence, like Sean McVay, you know, uh, Kyle Shanahan, or they crash and burn, like Pat Shermer, like Ben McAdoo, <laughs> like Vic Vangio in his first year. I mean, oh, yeah. uh, dude's a hell of a defensive coordinator. You don't hire a 60-year-old defensive head coach with a team with no offensive capabilities. Like That's like saying that you're just going to double down on defense and hope, hey, offense may win in an offensive league, especially in a division with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, that's for sure. And then Phillip Rivers, too. No slouch back there. Right. I mean, he's getting old, and he's probably not going to play for much longer, but Duke can still get it done. I mean, out of the three in that quarterback class of 2004, Phillip Rivers is probably the best as far as regular season statistics. Now, if you put Phillip Rivers and Eli Manning together, you got the perfect quarterback. I agree. But, you know, obviously, once it's all said and done, Big Ben will probably be considered the best because he's got the Super Bowls. Yeah, and I think, though, if you put Phillip Rivers behind either one of those other teams, Phillip sure. Rivers is the name that is yeah. first ballot for sure. And I feel bad for Rivers. I mean, the Chargers, I've got to say, if I rank the top, or actually the bottom five franchises in the NFL, the way the Chargers are ran, I just don't agree with. Like, I'm glad that I wasn't cursed with being a Chargers <laughs> fan. Like, that's got to be depressing. Like, they went 12-4 and four last year and can't sell out a soccer so- stadium. Yeah. Like, a 25,000-seat soccer stadium they're having trouble in the biggest or second biggest city in the U.S. Well, uh, that's what happens when you move your fan base, honestly. Yeah. You know, San Diego had the Padres. Yeah, I mean, but San, nothing sold out like right. the Chargers. San Diego, when I when I heard that they were moving, I thought it was a joke because San Diego they had some roots there. I mean, yeah, they were cheap and didn't want to buy a new stadium, but the the Chargers had a fan base that was starving for a winner, starving, starving for a winner. And I feel sorry for them because the especially for Philip Rivers too. You know, these past two seasons they've had a top notch defense. Right, they have. And an offense that just can't stay healthy. Can't. I mean, Keenan so. Allen is a constant injury on the injury report. Melvin Gordon, uh, I mean, he's been hurt every year of his pro career. He's great. Well, I say great. He's a good He's a good running back. back. Yeah. But you saw what Austin Eckler could do whenever he was put in that system. I think it's a system thing. I do. I do. I definitely do. And Austin Eckler is the perfect fit for that system. Somebody as versatile as he is. Right. Uh, runs hard when he has it inside and outside the tackles, and then you put him outside on the edge with a linebacker. It's a mismatch. It's a mismatch. It's, it's, it's a mismatch. He's he's honestly, and I'm glad that Melvin Gordon didn't get. And I'm all for the players getting as much money as possible. Yeah, because these NFL owners can afford it. But God, man, Melvin Gordon shot himself in the foot because when he came back, he came back to a team that had a. Hell of a backup running back. That's it. And the third stringer wasn't bad either, Justin Jackson. Like, Austin Eckler will be the star there next year. I will draft him in the first round. <laughs> and, you know, Melvin Gordon will move on to some place like, you know, the Bengals or, you know, some place like that where he'll be he'll be all right. Yeah, somewhere starving for yeah. running back. He'll, I be, can see he'll that. be all right. But he's not that piece that puts you in the next level. I mean, especially playing for the team that had – in my eyes, one of the top five running backs in history, because we grew up with Ladanian Ladanian Thompson. Thompson. LT, I know all you old heads say he's not LT. Lawrence Taylor's LT. Ladanian Thompson's <laughs> LT he's to LT. us. You know, wore it wearing the twenty one and the visor that you can't see through. That's just that's throwback. That's it. But uh, 
Let's let's look at some matchups on this Sunday. I mean, I think we've just been spitballing about the state of the franchise, and we could probably talk ten more hours on oh, how absolutely. we would fix it. But who the hell are we? We just <laughs> live in Louisiana, you know. But uh, let's go down the list. All right, so we're gonna we're not gonna go through every game because it's just it's a lot. But we're gonna pick each of us are gonna pick three matchups that we're excited to 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 see this Sunday, and we're gonna talk absolutely. about them just a little bit. Yep. I'm going to start off. I'm excited to see Falcons-Panthers because we live in uh, the world of the Saints here in Louisiana. Um, and this is we're at the area where the Saints and Cowboys overlap. But Terrible. both of our families are Saints fans, thank That's God. It. And, um, you know, the Saints, this, this they have had a very up-and-down year. I mean, mostly ups, but then you hit this roadblock. Last week in the Falcons. Where That's it. And unexplainably, it's the first time in Sean Payton's hit, like tenure that he has scored less than 10 points with Drew Brees at quarterback. No touchdowns. Yeah. No touchdowns. It's crazy. And and that's what I feel like the lows are for this point in the season, which is, I hate to say it, you know, but I got to put it on Sean Payton. Yeah. You know, he is the offensive play caller over that, that way. That was a trap game. It was. Like, like we were talking about with Ole Miss and LSU, that was a trap game. But the Falcons, that's their Super Bowl. They hate the Saints and the Saints hate the Falcons. So now they go in with a little momentum. I mean, they won their second game. So I mean, but you got Matt Ryan who despite the record has been playing very well this year. You got the one of the most talented wide receivers I've ever seen. I think he's maybe second or third to Randy Moss and Calvin Johnson. I think those and two Julio go, Jones. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Julio Jones is third. Uh, he is just so Talented, and he has been for since the day one. And so you got Julio, who's I hope he retires a Falcon. That guy's just awesome. You got Austin Hooper's hurt. He's been a revelation this year. Yes. Devontae Freeman's hurt. He's been up and down, but you got a pretty capable backup in Brian Hill, and then Edo Smith is out as well. Yeah, Edo Smith. He proved he was a right. So it's and and they're still getting over that loss of Tevin Coleman to the Niners. I mean, so. It's been. It's definitely going to be on the shoulders of Matt Ryan, but that defense stymied the Saints last week. They it's did. just it, it was something to behold. So, I think with this matchup against the Panthers, the Panthers are on the fringe of the playoffs. I mean, I doubt that they take the NFC South crown from the Saints just because you know no Cam Newton, um, Luke Keekley's always a concussion away from retirement. Uh, their their skill positions are. Questionable at best, and if they lose Christian McCaffrey, their season is over. He is. He it is the lifeblood of that offense. Absolutely. And it's still in the Saints' court, though. I mean, the Panthers and the Saints will play right. uh, again before the end of the season, which uh, could ultimately be the tiebreaker to it, depending on how the rest of the conference plays out. Yeah, but the, I, I think it is the Falcons, they are 100% focused on playing spoiler. They want oh. to ruin... Every team that they play from here on out, they want to ruin their, their chances to get into the playoffs. Anybody so, in NFC South. Right. You know, so. NFC South is a very competitive division. Every year it's it's a toss-up as to who's going to win it. I mean, the Saints have been pretty dominant as of late, but the last one out of the NFC South to go to the Super Bowl was the Falcons, and then before that it was the Panthers. Yep. That was both relatively you know recent games. And so I think with this matchup, I'm excited to see – the pressure that Kyle Allen gets put under, what he can do. You know, he has shown a lot this year. He has. And he? even in their loss last week, you're talking about a guy who had to step in at the last minute for injury this season. Mm-hmm. You know, he's kind of rose to that occasion. But you're talking about the pressure of a fourth-quarter comeback and you march your team 83 yards down the field and right. put your team in a good position to win. You just stop shy. Inches, inches inches away yep. from a career-making drive, you know? Um, I think they may have stumbled onto something. And it's brought up questions. I never thought we'd be talking about Cam Newton being traded. I thought he was going to retire Panther, and there would be no problems. But Kyle Allen has showed that that system works without Cam Newton. I mean, think about it. Uh, we can say all we want, but the defense has been playing over the moon good. As compared to what they thought they were going to play, especially that secondary. But the offense, I mean, it, it may be mostly Christian McCaffrey, but when Kyle Allen's had to get it done, he's gotten it done. 
Yeah, when you have somebody like Christian McCaffrey back there, you kind of open things up regardless. So right. you can't say that they have this all-star wide receiver core. Right. But with what Kyle Allen has given and what opens up when you have Christian McCaffrey back up there, you know, making matchup nightmare, nightmare for a defensive coordinator, you know, you can get these middle, middle-tier wide receivers and you can get them going. Yeah, I mean, think about how many first-round picks the Panthers in the past 10 years have spent – trying to get a wide receiver to replace Steve Smith because they really haven't found one since he left. I mean, Kelvin Benjamin, like, gained 50 pounds and became basically a tight end where he couldn't run. He got traded. And now I don't even know if he's in the league. Then they spent a first-rounder on Devin Funches, same body type. Now he plays for the Colts. DJ Moore, he's smaller. He's shown flashes. He's shown flashes, but also he gets hurt. Curtis Samuel, he was a high second-round pick. Curtis Samuel was an athlete. And, you know, if you ever see the recruiting in college football, they have positions, and then they have these guys that don't have a position. They're just athletes. Athletes. A-T-H. Yeah, that's right. And Curtis Samuel is one of those guys, and he's learning how to play wide receiver, but he's no, you know, superstar. Mm. And then Greg Olson's about 116 <laughs> years old, but he's still good. Not great, but he's still good. So you, you're, he's doing it with a lot less talent than some of these other, like, Kyle, I would be interested to see what Kyle Allen could do in the Panthers' scheme with the Browns' skill players. You know, I would be interested to see what he could do. You know, with some of these teams like the Eagles that have all these skill players, because a lot of people are sold on Carson Wentz. I am not one of them. I, I couldn't I agree more. I would have never gotten rid of Nick Foles. Yeah, you know? but it, it, they were stuck between a rock and a hard place. I mean, how do you not back Carson Wentz when he was having the MVP, MVP season, season when he got hurt? Yeah. But Nick you pay them both. Nick exactly. <laughs> you pay them both. You have to skip. You know. But, you know, I think that with the Panthers, I think they're going to pull out this win. I think the Falcons are going to come back down to earth. I think it's just last week was they caught the Saints napping. And see, I would say that you caught them napping, but I, I feel like you didn't catch them napping. You caught them in a position where they felt comfortable. And right. Sean Payton didn't – he didn't have that foot on the gas, that – Go for the jugular kind of mentality. Offense was stagnant, and he didn't push. Yeah. He just kind of rode it out. Right. Um, you know, and that's why I put that loss on Sean Payton, because the man is always go, go, go. And you saw Alvin Kamara, he got nine touches, I think. Yeah. Nine touches to your most versatile player on the field. I also think that they're kind of trying to save some of the stuff they have for the playoffs, because I don't think anybody saw them going – 5-0 without Drew Brees. I don't think anybody oh, saw that coming. So I think Sean Payton realizes that, hey, maybe I should let some of my guys rest a little bit through these easy games, and then he just got caught with his pants down. You know, he got caught looking past the Falcons, and, you know, you saw what happened. But do you take your foot off the gas on a division game? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think, I think games like that are dangerous because it can make you lose focus. Yeah. It can make you, you know, get out of rhythm, and that's – that's something with Teddy Bridgewater. They stayed in rhythm. You know, that defense tightened the crank, and that offense did just enough to win. And, and now they're trying to – I think they were just trying to, you know, have an easy game, honestly. I mean, they were yeah. playing at home. It's one of the hardest places to play in the NFL. But let's move on to our next one. What's your matchup that you're excited about? So, one to keep your eye on, in my opinion, is, is the Jaguars – they're playing the Colts. Yes. Colts get a couple setbacks. So that's a big that's a big up for their offense. Yeah, I'm streaming the Jaguars defense. I'm hoping Brissett's uh, kind of limping around. Yeah, I don't expect him to be 100%. I don't think anybody does. Right. Um, it's hard to come back off injury like that, Especially, you know, in yeah, one week. Body, for yeah, sure. um, something that can easily be tweaked. But Nick Foles, <sighs> talked about him earlier. Yeah. I love him like I love Fitzmagic, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's somebody that you know that's going to go out there, and mm-hmm. it's a consistency type thing. And with a wide receiver like DJ Chark, and you have Leonard Fournette in the backfield, oh yeah, that offense is going to get to moving. So that's an upset to watch. Uh, right now, they're uh, they're under three favorites, so they're minus three. Yeah, I, it's interesting to see because both of these teams at the beginning of the year, everybody thought that they were going to be in the thick yeah, of up it. here. Yeah, yeah, I mean the Jaguars finally got a quarterback to go along with that defense. And then the Colts, you know, they got hit with a bomb right before the season started with Andrew Luck retiring. But Jacoby Brissett went out there and said, hey, I can be a, fan, a franchise cor- cornerstone too. Yeah. 
and they beat the Chiefs. I mean, when they beat the Chiefs, everybody was like, okay, <laughs> this Colts team is for real. That defense is for real. It is. It but is. it's also very young. It you is. got a lot of young guys on both sides of the ball. I mean, you got some vets like T.Y. Hilton and Javal Sheard, but everybody else is pretty young. And that offensive line, they have got to find some consistency. Got to, because the last couple of weeks, they have not been that vaunted offensive line that we have heard so much about, you yep. know. Even Quentin Nelson's the one that got you know blown up, and the one that got Jacoby Brissett injured. I mean, obviously yeah. the guy's still a freaking tank out there, but it, it's they they've shown some cracks, and I think this will be a very big test playing Nick Foles coming back, um, playing you know a Jaguars defense that if they went out, there's a chance they could you know take a take the division. I mean that division is very competitive. I mean you it got is. Texans. The Colts and Jaguars all with winning mentalities. And I think that, you know, Frank Reich, this is going to be a huge test to see if he can navigate this water, these waters with Jacoby Brissett hurt and, you know, just feed Marlon Mack. I, I see Marlon Mack having a good day, I a big so. day. I hope so. But on that other end, I see Jacksonville loading the box. Mm-hmm. T.Y. Hilton's out. He won't play this week. He's out another week. So Jacoby Brissett doesn't have that deep field. That's true. And with Jalen Ramsey out, you you don't have that lockdown corner to throw on their number two wide receiver. But I feel like number twos can play with number twos yeah. across in the NFL. So, but I really think if uh, if Funches comes back from the IR because you know he broke his collarbone at the same time as as Foles did. Right. So this would be the week that he comes back. You know, that was a big signing for the Colts. They gave him a lot of money on a one-year deal. And, they did. And he looked good up until he got hurt. Like, all offseason, they were talking about how Funchess has gotten faster. He's more focused. Lost so, weight. Yeah, if he comes back and he's that that dude, and then you get T.Y. Hilton back and Brissett gets his leg better, they could be hitting their stride going into the playoffs and be a very dangerous team, especially when you got somebody as mentally tough as Jacoby Brissett, who – the guy spent the first couple or first year with the Patriots, Patriots, and then he went to you know went to the Colts to be a backup, and then all of a sudden he was thrust into this franchise quarterback role, and and he has stepped up to the task. If he can stay healthy, the team's dangerous. Oh, absolutely, the team's dangerous. Uh, I think Devin Punches is going to be out this week, though. I think injury report has him out this week, so Jacoby Brissett will be shorthanded on that outside. So. Yeah, hey, but they've been doing it with that Pascal fella. Oh, that was a good pickup. Yeah, <laughs> dude was a good pickup on my uh, fantasy team. And yeah, if you have him out there, he's still on your waiver wire. Pick the man up. Stream him, him up. this week. Yeah, he's that that Jaguars defense is. They've been shown to have some holes, especially now that they uh, are kind of selling off all their high price parts. I I believe next year the the Jaguars will have a new coach at the helm. I Probably. think Doug Marone's not long for this world as far as the head coach. But uh, what's the next the next game you got that you're excited about? I'll let you get a double take, and then I'll go. Oh, yeah? Yeah, go ahead. Great question. So, another one to keep on the radar mm-hmm. is our New Orleans Saints. They play Tampa Bay. I couldn't agree more. They, they're playing Tampa Bay, and, you know, it's a five-and-a-half point difference right now. Spreads five-and-a-half. Mm-hmm. It's favored towards New Orleans, but, you know, we are coming off that, that loss. That stinker. That is, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that we have a lot to prove, though. I think they do, too, because this you're, you're going right from a division game into another division game. And if anybody knows the Saints, they hate the Buccaneers just as much as they hate the Falcons. Yeah. You know, um, and the Bucks have a very good offensive coach. I mean, Bruce Arians has done a lot That's with it. what everybody thought was a has-been Jameis Winston. I mean, yeah, he still sucks. But he's led the charge – and he almost beat the Seahawks last or two weeks ago. It was you never know what Jameis Winston you're going to get. Right, you're either going to get four touchdowns, or you're going to get four picks. Yep, that's and when it. When he's doing the the former, it is hard to stop. And that defense is getting better. I mean, they've got some playmakers on that defense. You got Sue, who's all he, he's been good for a long time. You got Devin Smith, the LSU product that is finally getting his legs back under him after getting hurt at the beginning of the year. You got a lot of stuff that the Saints need to worry about, but I'm hoping that Michael Thomas has about 18 catches for 176 yards and eight touchdowns. Well, the biggest matchup to look for on that day is Mike Evans and oh. whoever they line up on him. Marshawn Lattimore is out; he yeah. won't play. And if we get the 
to Jameis Winston, the four touchdown Jameis Winston. It's gonna be a long day. It's it's gonna be a barn burner. Yeah. It is. It's gonna be a game where whoever scores thirty points wins the game. Absolutely. And it could come down to the final possession. I think the only way to overcome somebody as talented as Marshawn Lattimore being out is to scheme more blitzes. I think that's the only way that Dennis Allen is going to be able to beat the Buccaneers if Jameis Winston is on because their reserve cornerbacks, i got to say, I'm a Giants fan. Eli Apple is hot garbage. I am so happy that we got a (laughs) fourth-round pick for him and the Saints just accepted that. I feel like we got good value with the fourth round. However, if there was – any cornerback to target, you went for Eli Apple. Yeah, that so, dude was I mean, like a pass interference machine. <laughs> and it just so happens that he's playing the best wide receiver duo in the NFL. I mean, no one-two combo has more yards and more touchdowns than Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. And I'll tell you what, I, I drafted Chris Godwin in my yes, big money league. It has helped me out a heck of a lot. I mean, that guy has been a stud. And Mike Evans is always a stud. Yeah. But... If they can get that blitz going, if they can get Cam Jordan going, if they can get you know Sheldon Rankins going, if they can get those linebackers blitzing, A.J. Klein, Demario Davis, all those guys going, Marcus Davenport, that is a that is the only way I think if Jameis is on. Now, we could show up, they could rush four, and Jameis is going to throw the ball backwards behind him. That It's just you never know what's going to happen. But usually Jameis plays the Saints pretty well. He does, you know, and they come out with that mentality. The NFC yeah. South, they hate each other. They hate so each they other. come with their best every time. But I look for the Saints to pull this one out. I think so, too. I, I, I think that they cover the spread. I think that Sean Payton is going to have the team right. He's not going to let them come back out. You can't take two division losses back-to-back. No, not at the end of the season. Not, not when you're doing a playoff push. Yeah, not with that. not with Carolina breathing down your neck in that division. Right. And uh, – I think it's going to be a high-scoring affair. Mm-hmm. I definitely do. I think Ronald Jones will have a big day because Mike Evans has a big day. Right. But I think at the end of the day, Sean Payton throws the kitchen sink out there. Yeah. Uh, as much as he would probably like to keep everything hidden in the bag. I he's got to flex those muscles. He's got to flex them today. I think the the foot stays on the gas today, and we cover the spread. I think so. Yeah. I think you're right. All right, so the next game we're going to cover, uh, it's a Super Bowl matchup, rematch. The rematch. Patriots and Eagles. <laughs> and they're both coming off bye weeks, so... Both coaches, Doug Peterson and uh, the Evil Empire. Doug have, Peterson, homegrown over here. Yeah, homegrown. Coached at McNeese. And not just McNeese. Uh, was it Calvary? Yeah, Calvary. Calvary Baptist right, here. Yeah, right so. up in here. So, uh, I like Doug Peterson. And it pains me to say that as a Giants fan <laughs> because he was hired the same year as Ben McAdoo. And the only reason that the Giants made Ben McAdoo the head coach is because the Eagles wanted him to be their head coach. Oh, my. What, how time would be different if that were Y'all definitely saved the Eagles on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Glad to do it. You know? Glad to do it. Got our franchise running back and quarterback with those sucky years. And it looks like we're going to get another high draft pick this year. But uh, I think this will be – I mean, how do you pick against the Patriots? You don't. You can't. You don't. I mean, um, they are just, especially coming off a loss where they lost to the Ravens and they had, they went into the bye week on a loss, Bill Belichick's going to be ready to be like, all right, people are counting us out. Even though we're 8-1, and one, let's, let's, let's show everybody why we are who we are. That's it. And Bill Belichick, he, you never have to worry about the Patriots being prepared. Never. Bill Belichick gets his team right. They are the most prepared. Uh, always. Always. So always. They're playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers. That's it. But I think this game will be a little bit different. You know, the Patriots have they've got that vaunted defense. I think this may be an offensive showcase because I think the Eagles will have – because they're also coming off a bye, and they're fighting for the NFC East. So they're not going to just roll over and let the Patriots roll over or run over them. I really think this will be a, a showdown of offense. I think Mohamed Sanu will finally have that – that rock star game where yeah. it shows you that hey, Sanu is playing behind really good wide receivers in Atlanta, and and he's actually somebody because he played behind AJ Green and Marvin Jones in Cincinnati, yep. and then he played behind Calvin Ridley and and uh, Julio Jones, Julio Jones yeah. in Atlanta. So it's him and Julian Edelman have a a really good chance to have both have good games. But the offensive line is what I'm interested to see how it's going to hold up. For the Patriots, because you know you got a lot of injuries. Their center's out with blood clot issues. Their left tackle that they drafted two years ago in the first round, I think he's coming back off injury. But 
he hasn't stayed healthy for long. Yeah, they've had a hard time weeks. filling Nate Soldier's right. Soldier's it's, spot. It's but. been a it's been a revolving door. I mean, they're playing Marshall Newhouse on that offensive line, and as a Giants fan, I remember watching Marshall Newhouse get whooped by the NFC East repeatedly. So I'm interested to see how the pass rushers of the Eagles match up against that O line. But Tom Brady gets the ball out so quick. He does, and they do a great job. When you have somebody like Julian Edelman, though. Julian Edelman. Come on. Yeah. The man plays hurt yeah. week in, week out. He is a, one of the toughest competitors that you have. And quick as feet. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he's not He's not the fastest. He's not the biggest. But he's a mismatch every time. And it's just he's one of those people that just gets open. It's frustrating. Wes Welker was the same way That's for it. the Broncos and the Patriots. It's just frustrating. I, th- I have a little different take on it, though. You think that, you know, the Eagles are going to get a turnaround. I think today, I mean, on Sunday, Carson Wentz is going to be a turnover machine. You think so? I think so. I think that they're going to scheme it right. Uh, yeah. The Patriots' defense is ran like a well-oiled machine, and especially this year. Weeks. That's it. two weeks. Uh, you can't tell me off of a bye week that the New England Patriots' defense is not going to be prepared for You're right. this Doug Peterson offense. You so. may be right. I, I just, I, for some reason... I feel like Carson Wentz is going to have one of those flashes in the pan where him and Doug Peterson, you know, come in to drop their nuts on the table. But it is at home for the Eagles. You know, I think it's obviously going to be cold. Yeah. You know, but both teams are are used to that. I think I'll, I'm interested to see, though, how Sonny Michelle and James White impact the game. Because it, it really – since you've lost, since they lost Gronk, they've replaced his production through mostly the backfield. I mean, yeah, James White has taken over. That man has had a lot of receptions this yeah, year. Yeah, he's he always catches a lot of balls, but it's been Sony Michelle's been very inefficient running the ball up until late. I mean, late his past three or four games, he's been better. But the first part of the year, he was averaging under three yards a carry. And he actually got benched in place of Rex Burkhead until yeah. Burkhead got hurt. So Yeah, now Burkhead's back, and they also have Brandon Bolden. They have uh, the, guy, the Harris guy from Alabama. They've got a lot of running backs there, and they always know how to use them. So it'll be interesting to see this game, 8-1 uh, and one versus 5-4. and four. And if the Cowboys lose and the Eagles win, they'll be tied for first place. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how it ends up. I... Also, let me see. Let me make sure. Double well, since you since you brought up you know the Dallas and that division, I oh, know they're tied now. My mistake. They're tied now. So if the Eagles win and the Cowboys lose, they'll take sole possession of first place. Well, let's jump into Dallas then, right? <laughs> Dallas versus Detroit. That's a big one. It it was. Well, Matthew Stafford <laughs> being was. out. I think now uh, it's Jeff Driscoll. I think I think it's it's going to be just like last week. I mean, the Lions lost with Jeff and Jeff Driscoll. Honestly, didn't look as bad as I thought he would, but he's no Matt Stafford. I mean, they lost Carry On Johnson for the year. Ty Johnson's out. Yeah, their their running back situation is bad. They're thin, but that defense, that defense. Yeah, the defense is. It, and Matt Patricia knows what he's doing with his defense. Yeah. But you got to think. I mean, Dak Prescott's been playing well. Amari Cooper's been playing well. Even players like Michael Gallup and Randall Cobb have been coming on as late. And Jason Witten is a security blanket. And he'll just. He'll catch his five balls for 40 yards and maybe a touchdown, and he'll keep on going and keep on going. So it's definitely, I think, the Cowboys are going to handle it pretty well. But you can never count out a defensive game. And that's why I think this game comes down to the the trenches. Yeah. It's going to be the off, that Dallas offensive line that's injury-riddled versus a healthy Detroit defensive line that is stout. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's going to be, and it's in Ford Field out in the elements, yeah. and hopefully it snows. I love snow games. But uh, I, I think that this, I think that the Lions will lose because, oh. I mean, Matt Stafford is the heart and soul of that team. But hopefully, for my sake, <laughs> they pull off the upset because I love seeing Dallas lose. It's, it's, a, it's a big game for Dallas, nonetheless, <laughs> though. I mean, yeah, it's a big game with Matthew Stafford in, and there's a lot of pressure. But now, that, to me, there's even more pressure because if, you're expected to win. If you lose to a dress, uh, Jeff Driscoll led Detroit Lions. Jason Garrett's fired. Jason, well, I think he's going at the end of this year. But we regardless. say that every year. I think, <laughs> we I think say that every year. But I think if the if the pressure gets to Dallas today, yeah. I think that they can probably kiss their playoff chances. Good. Glad we're excited for this. NFL matchups this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all the ones we talked about. 
We're looking to hear what what are your upsets? What do you think is going to happen in the NFL and college football, you know, landscape this week? So uh, for me, Will Trahan and myself, Rob Simmons. Thank you for listening to the Easy Street Podcast. This is hopefully the first of many, and thank you for joining us on the Maiden Voyage.